0: Today, we're going to talk about working like Christ, and the work we're going to see here is God's work. So it's a little bit different of a slant on this, and we're going to see how we can do this, and when, and why. But first, I just wanted to run through some situations we see in our world. I feel like we see it everywhere now, and just more and more over time. And these stats, I... I, Trust that they are true and accurate. Um, I feel like nowadays, whether, whatever you think about any topic, stats just always seem like I have no reason to believe them. But I'm going off of what, what I found. Um, so in the US, there, it's, it's said that there's 10% of our country, so one out of every 10 live below the poverty line. And in, the, in Florida, we're actually higher than the national average, we're 12 to 13%. And also in the U.S., especially, you'll notice this anytime you go into a city, 0.2%, like that doesn't sound like a big percentage, but one out of every 500 people is homeless. They're considered homeless. Roughly 20 to 25% of adult Americans live with some kind of disability. Uh, that, I was surprised at that. I thought that was a little high, but I saw it a couple times. Um, And another 20% experience mental illness and things that they struggle with in that regard. About 6% have have, uh, experienced depression. We've heard for years the divorce rate keeps going up. It's like literally parked at 50% as of right now. We also have seen 25% of kids in America live in a home with only one parent. Roughly a quarter of the country is either atheist, agnostic, or what they would call just irreligious, basically people who have no religion. And then it's been talked about all 2020s, just the amount of people who die. Like we saw a little bit of an uptick in that due to the pandemic. Uh, The numbers are basically that every 10 seconds an American dies. So think about that. Like every 10 seconds, somebody goes. And actually, just since I've been talking, the world death rate is almost two people every second. So two people died, two people died, two people died. It's kind of crazy when you think about it that way, just all these things that go on around us, the difficulty, the struggle, just all the hardship and the ways that we see that. And some of this we see closer than we think. You know, we, we think about how blessed we are, the freedoms we, we do have, and the, the thing, like, I get to choose what I'm going to eat in the morning and what clothes I'm going to wear and how I'm going to get places. Like, a lot of people don't have those kind of choices every day. But even though we, we see those blessings, we see these issues and these struggles closer than we think. Like, just for me, with blood relatives right now, I have people still dealing with tragedy, sorry, with disease, depression, struggling in their relationships, openly questioning religion, and of course, economic difficulty. And I can't help but wonder when I see this and I see people that I love struggling, what do I do about it? Like, I can see it happening and I know what's going on, but what can I do to help them? And a lot of times we think, and I don't know about you guys, I am, I think sometimes too much. Like for my own good. My wife's always like, stop thinking about it and just, you know, do what you need, what you know you should do. Don't try to figure out some special thing or some new formula to get things done. We overanalyze and really. A lot of times, the kids in Sunday school have the right idea. You hear the joke that the answer is always Jesus. And they're so excited. They think they, they got, like, what's, what happened to Noah on the ark? Jesus. And, you know, you can't say they're wrong, but it's not exactly what you're going for. But a lot of times, these situations we see, Jesus is the right answer. And it's just a matter of how we bring him into the situation for people and how we point them back to Christ. Quick survey, has anyone ever had, owned and worn the WWJD bracelet? Anybody ever done that? There's a few of us. Those were like all the rage in the youth groups, mostly in the 90s it seemed. Um, That means what would Jesus do? And a lot of times, people would kind of think about that like, well, well Jesus knew exactly what to do. He would, he would know the right answer, and if he could just tell me, then I'd know what Jesus would do, and I could do it. But really what we see is that the Bible gives us exactly what Jesus would do, how he did things, and ways that we can be a part of that. So let's look today at this example um, in John 9, we'll see what Jesus did. The question we're going to be answering for a couple of minutes is, how did Jesus do his father's work? Okay, simple question. In John 9, 1, it says, he, as Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Now, there are times in the Bible when people tell us, the writers say, Jesus was going here. To find this person or to meet somebody in this passage john specifically writes as he passed by now i can't help but but mean that that's take that to mean that jesus wasn't just going to find this guy now we can debate all day long just how much jesus knew and, and could foretell and everything you know was certain divine attributes limited while he was in human form, all that stuff. We don't know if Jesus knew that guy was there, but it just tells us he was passing by. And so he sees this man, and he's just walking by, and he recognizes that there's a man here who's blind and has this need. And that shows us, like, the first idea is that Jesus was always ready and yet we could say, oh, he's just walking down the street. But if we look at the context of what's going on, it's a little bit different story. If you look at the, if you swipe, you know, whichever direction gets you to the previous chapter in U version or the little left arrow, at the very end of John chapter eight, Jesus has been in the temple. He's teaching. The Pharisees are questioning him. He's like, guys you think you love God, but I'm God and you don't love me. And they're like, well, how, why would you know that? And they're like, well, Father Abraham was so great. Do you think you're better than him? And he's like, I knew Abraham. And they're like, how could you know Abraham? You're not even 50 years old. And he says pretty famously that I am, which is the same message God gave to Moses to give to Pharaoh in the Old Testament. That name, I am, is associated only with God. And so he basically looks at the Pharisees and says, Hey guys, I am God. And in verse, chapter 8, uh, verse 59, the Pharisees picked up stones to throw at him. Like they literally had them in their hands and they were ready to go. And if you guys have kids like mine were, as soon as they're ready to throw something, it's gone. But the Bible tells us that Jesus himself, uh, he hid himself and went out of the temple. He hid himself from them. Now, if you're standing in a room surrounded by people that you're arguing with or debating or whatever you want to call it, how do you hide yourself from them? It sounds a lot to me like he made them not able to see him, which is showing us here that jesus has power over sight now we're coming back of course to the blind man but these guys had their sight and he stopped them from seeing him him so he could exit the temple and we kind of gloss over that but jesus has that power over sight he's able to escape so he's on his way out from this attempted stoning when it switches to chapter 9, and it says, as he passed by. So Jesus wasn't just ready because he was walking down the street after breakfast, he had his coffee, he was ready to go. He was leaving a place where people wanted to kill him in that moment, and he passes this man and sees him and his need. So from this life-threatening situation to right away recognizing somebody else in need. He was in need. He was going to be murdered right there if he didn't leave. They were going to stone him. Despite that, he sees this man because Jesus was always ready. Not only that, Jesus knew the purpose. In verse 2, the story continues. So Jesus sees this man, his disciples are with him, and they ask him, hey, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, you know this saying, there's no such thing as a stupid question. I don't know if that's actually true or not. I kind of always feel like questions are usually pretty good because they help somebody learn. Um, Well, the disciples, okay, the, the 12 disciples, these main guys that we study in the Gospels, they asked Jesus, if this guy sinned, so that he was born blind. Like that sin had to have occurred in the womb for him to be able to have sinned and made himself be born blind, right? Just the logic of that makes it kind of questionable that they're asking this. But what we see is that in that time period, they they believed. There was a belief that people could sin, like essentially a prenatal sin, that would cause this problem for them in their life when they're born. Now there was also the idea from the Ten Commandments, when it's going through it, in Exodus 20 verse 5, God says that iniquity will be visited on the third and fourth generation. And so that's where people got the idea that parents' sin or grandparents' sin could be carried down at birth. but despite knowing that scripture and kind of basing their question on that, they overlook in Ezekiel where it says, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father. Like Ezekiel said that verbatim. I just read that as a quote. And so they kind of just overlooked that part. But that's what the disciples are thinking here. And Jesus' response in one sentence, throws out both of those false ideas. Because in verse 3, Jesus answers and says, It was not that this man sinned or his parents. It's like, guys, you're looking to blame someone. It's not either of those. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus makes the purpose of this crystal clear. It wasn't because anyone sinned, but the man was born blind specifically so that the work of God could be displayed in him in his life. Whenever we see a situation like this, the things we described at the beginning, we think we know the answer, but ask yourself, you see someone struggling or you yourself are struggling, how can God get glory in this situation? How can he get glory in this situation? How can God's work be displayed? Because that is the purpose of mankind is to give God glory that's why we were created Jesus knew that purpose and we need to remember that because of that Jesus worked with urgency that's the third part here in verse 4 he says nobody sinned it's so that God's glory could be displayed in this man we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. Now Jesus is saying that the the one who sent him is obviously God. So what does that mean, night is coming? Like some people think he was actually referring to the evening, like the sunset. Some people think it meant like because Jesus was only a few months away from being crucified at this point, like his his life was coming to an end. But there's a, a little phrase in here he says when no one can work he's not just talking about himself so the prevailing opinion is that he's talking about the time before the end the end of time like before the last days all of that stuff that the night is coming when no one can work anymore there's a day when we can't reach any more people there's a day when people can't be saved anymore that end is in the future somewhere because of that, Jesus is working with that in mind. Like It's a limited time, and the task is unlimited, so I need to work. I need to keep going. So we, we clearly see here these three things. Jesus was ready. He, was, he knew the purpose, and he worked with urgency. So we see how Jesus did God's work, and why is that so important? If you have the passage open and you look at verse 4, There's one word that turns this story into something much bigger than just an example of how Jesus works. Right at the beginning, he says, we must work. We. That's not just Jesus saying, I, or Jesus saying, you guys. We, Christians, we must work. In A little earlier in John, Jesus is talking about uh, this happening. He says, My Father is working until now, and I am working. But here in chapter 9, he takes it a step further and says, We must work. We are called into this same work that Jesus is doing with the Father. Now, obviously... You know, if you, we read the Bible, we talk about these things. I'm not going to walk out of here and heal a blind person. Like, that's that's just not ex, not how it means it. God has so many ways for us to serve him. This is not a work. You know, we, we talk about this with our kids. like, do you want to be a pastor or go somewhere else and be a missionary? They think that's serving God and everything else is just kind of regular, you know. But that's not even what it means every little way you can imagine where you are stepping into a situation with God directing you and serving someone and showing love and kindness when we see these needs we have a way to help and that's exactly what God wants us to do and because of this we it means that we must always be ready when we recognize a situation oftentimes we might be worried, like, what will this person think if I try to be nice to them? Or what will other people think if they see me trying to serve someone? We try to make excuses for ourselves or question why they're in the situation in the first place. Like, I, they don't deserve our help. But we have to always be ready. Christ was ready as he was be, attempted and attempted stoning. So I think we can be ready in the situations that we go through. We must also know the purpose and keep it in mind. I don't know about you guys, for me, the most difficult step is this word procrastinate. Like sometimes I think I can check on this tomorrow or we'll talk to this this situation with, I'm gonna put him on the spot, with our son. He's a teenager, so he's a knucklehead But we'll talk about this tomorrow instead of addressing it right away. Sometimes we see a need, we think, oh, somebody else will help them. I don't have time, I'm busy. But we, we have to keep that purpose in mind because showing God's works in the lives of people, being able to fulfill that is like the highest calling we could have the greatest thing that we could accomplish and so many times we prioritize other things ahead of it so we have to remember that purpose because when we do we will we must work with urgency we must always be ready to do God's work with urgency so that we can bring glory to God Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5 he says look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Using your time, you heard that example, I forget what the number is of seconds in a day, but people say, if you have that much money, would you give $10 or $100 to somebody else? And you're like, yeah, that's not even a very high percentage, so then you say, well, if you have that many seconds, would you give that many seconds to somebody who needs your, you to listen to them or you to help them or pray with them. And it makes it sound like, oh, wow, I, I am very stingy with my time. The reason for this, we, we said already, the, the urgency. This is the, the last example I'll use today. Paul describes the last days. Okay, I'm going to read these five verses. Just listen to what I'm describing. He says, but understand this but denying its power. It's a long list. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But it sounds a lot like things we see in our world right now. And I'm not getting into where the last days are and all those things and when it will end and all of that. But we know, based on scripture, things are happening that sound a lot like the last days. And the reality is we don't know. We could put our guesses in. There's obviously been people who have always said what day that is. They put a date out there. That's obviously ridiculous. The fact is we don't know. And that's something I try to, to use for myself as a reminder. Like, we don't know what tomorrow has. Tomorrow could be my last day on earth. Like, we don't like to talk about things like that, but it's true. None of us know. If, you get, if any of you know that to be true, please let me know. But we don't. We don't know, and so we should live with that in mind. And just to be clear, this type of uh, warning about our time and how much we have to use and all of that does not mean That you can't do these things that we think are fun or, or easy or whatever. Like, you hang out with your kids, that's a lot more spiritual than you think. You just talk with your parents. Spend time with people you know and love. There's a lot more of God in that than you think. Now The obvious ones of a neighbor who's in need that just needs you to listen that you can pray for, that you can talk with. Those ones are a lot more obvious, but there's still important things that we need to do that we think sometimes it's this or this. Like I can have fun with my family or I can serve God, and it's not, it's life. It's all part of your life and how we walk through our lives. As long as we remember that we must always be ready To do God's work with urgency so that we can bring glory to God. That's the the one sentence we need to remember from today. And it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Like I said, it could be this small thing. But we must always be ready to do God's work with urgency so that we can bring glory to God. Because that's ultimately what He's put us here for. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your goodness to us. Thank you, God, for this church and this place where we can meet. And just for your word, for the time that we can spend looking at this passage and what it means for us, the example that your son has set for us and how we can serve you in our lives, how we can be ready to work with urgency. For, your good, for our good and your glory, for you to work in our lives, to allow you to do that. God, we thank you that you have interest in us, that you care for us, that you provide for us. God, I ask that you'd be with each of us this week as we go through our lives, that we would just be alert to who's around us, situations we know about, things we don't know that will come up, just that we would be ready to enter situations and bring you with us, to point people to Christ. God, I pray that you would give us uh, strength and endurance and commitment and urgency to serve when we can, where we can, whenever we see the need. I thank you so much for this challenge and just the fact that we have the ability to meet it because of your son through the holy spirit and we thank you for that And i thank you for everyone here today and just pray that you would uh, bless and protect that you go out with us into the world and that we would do our best to make much of you in our lives we thank you for christ and our salvation in him we ask in his name amen